0: This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings, all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. I think part of being notoriously Episcopalian, as this podcast is called, is a nerdy appreciation for the Book of Common Prayer, I've grown up with the current prayer book and really love the breadth of prayers it contains. I particularly love it when a prayer seems to show up out of nowhere that I've either forgotten about or overlooked. In this current season of pandemic, one such prayer has appeared in my life. One found on page 461 in the ministration to the sick. On that page, there are four prayers listed, and the final one on the page is titled, In the Morning. It goes like this. This is another day, O Lord. I know not what it will bring forth, but make me ready, Lord, for whatever it may be. If I am to stand up, help me to stand bravely. If I am to sit still, help me to sit quietly. If I am to lie low, help me to do it patiently. And if I am to do nothing, let me do it gallantly. Make these words more than words, and give me the Spirit of Jesus. Amen. This prayer first came to my attention when my bishop used it in a Zoom meeting in the early days after the decision was made to close all our parishes in the diocese. Then last week, after some two and a half weeks of being under a shelter-in-place order, a postcard from the Society of St. John the Evangelist arrived. It had a photo of the monastery tower with votive candles in the windows as a sign of hope and the text of this prayer printed on the front. Since it seemed that this was a prayer that I needed to pay attention to in this unusual season, I decided to look into where it came from. It struck me as a rather modern prayer, so I guessed it would have a certain recent history. So I consulted the commentary on the American Prayer Book by Marion J. Hatchett, This commentary simply stated that the prayer was composed by the Rev. Dr. Theodore Parker Ferris and that it was printed in Prayers for a New World, 1964. So Hatchet confirmed my guess that it was a, quote, modern prayer but did not provide much information otherwise. So I took to Google, figuring searching for such an unusual name as Theodore Ferris should easily produce information— But the Google results were sparse, no Wikipedia article, and just a handful of photos. I did find an entry in the Episcopal Dictionary of the Church, and there Dr. Ferris is described as a seminary professor and an ecumenist. He was born in 1908 and received his B.A. from Harvard University in 1929 and his degree from General Theological Seminary in 1933. He was ordained a priest in 34, and for four years served at Grace Church, New York, and served as a fellow and tutor at GTS. He would serve for five years as the rector of Emanuel Church, Baltimore, and then 30 years as the rector of Trinity Church, Boston. From 1943 to 1963, Ferris was an instructor in homiletics at the Episcopal Theological School, Cambridge, And The entry notes that he was a published author, including a book on preaching, and that he was active in the ecumenical movement and an alternate delegate to the First Assembly of the World Council of Churches at Amsterdam in 1948. He died in 1972. Ferris composed a tune that was included in the 1940 hymnal titled Weymouth. This got him an entry on hymnary.org that repeated much of the same facts from the Episcopal Dictionary, but added a more complete list of the books Ferris authored. It also noted that he served as a delegate to the Episcopal Church's General Convention six times, listed his honorary degrees, and made a point to note that he was a bachelor when he died. So not completely satisfied with this information, I began to try some different search queries. I came across a 2018 interview with Fleming Rutledge where she recalled hearing Ferris preach a three-hour Good Friday service at Christ Episcopal Church in Greenwich, Connecticut. Rutledge noted that Ferris was known all across the United States as one of the best preachers and that he was frequently included in Newsweek magazine's best preachers in the U.S. She commented that she rereads his sermons and described him as having a charismatic presence in the pulpit. Not out of it. Still not quite satisfied with this information discovered so far, I clicked on a video taken of a 2018 presentation at Trinity Church in Boston about Dr. Ferris. The presentation was made by the then-Reverend Thomas Brown, the now-right-Reverend Thomas Brown, Bishop of Maine, and he spent an hour talking about the life of Ferris. Brown explained that he discovered Ferris by receiving a book of prayers written by him and Brown reminded the gathering that Ferris was first and foremost a human being who had faith and he was also an artist, a theologian, a writer, a pastor and a preacher as part of that story of a human being of faith. Dr. Ferris, Brown noted, was a cradle episcopalian who received the gift of faith from his parents. He apparently was a sickly child. He was born blind in one eye, and his very various childhood illnesses caused him to be deaf in one ear. In seminary, he would again be seriously ill and nearly die. Brown described him as being shy and at times awkward, and that he lacked confidence. He was an accomplished pianist, composer, and loved poetry. He apparently was the first person in Boston to own a dictaphone. He was a writer that Brown described as being both deep and accessible at the same time. He was a pastor that believed that being a preacher and a pastor should not compete with one another. And that while he was a great preacher, apparently some of his students didn't find him to be the best teacher. Brown noted that in fifty-two, as a delegate to General Convention, Dr. Ferris supported the losing position of admitting women as delegates. In 1967, Ferris wrote that the purpose of the church is to continue the ministry of Christ to people, and that the church is guided by the Spirit of God, and therefore neither the present form of worship nor formulae of belief are final. He's memorialized at Trinity Church Boston as having, quote, "...opened our hearts and minds to the truth and, above all, to the Spirit of Jesus." After his death, as a tribute, Trinity Boston published two volumes of his sermons. It was one of these sermons that found its way into Bible commentaries and then, therefore, into preachers' blogs to turn up in my Google search. This particular sermon was entitled, quote, When Things Don't Go Well, and the four main points of the sermon were quoted in a 2010 preacher's commentary. Given the current uncertain period, I think those four points are still relevant. Number one, quote, remember that there is nothing that can happen to you that has not happened to millions of others. Two, remind yourself that as a human being, you run the risk of this kind of thing happening. Three, remember there are people who became great facing what you must now face. Four, Say, I don't know how I'm going to handle this, but I can. I know that from sources of which I am not conscious, help will come. Not necessarily the help I ask for, but the help that I know nothing about right now will rise in me, will appear suddenly from all sorts of unexpected places. Finally, after all of my internet searching, I felt that I at least had a sense of the person behind the words of this prayer and that it was no longer just words on a page but had a story and place and context and face to go along with. It helped me to get a glimpse of the person that could write these words, knowing that he survived the Great Depression, world wars, and the technological advances of the mid-20th century, and still was able to write words of acceptance of the present moment each day, even when the future is unknown. So I am thankful that this particular prayer has found its way, bubbled up to the surface in my life. And I'm also thankful to get to know a little bit more about Dr. Ferris and his life and how he gave us the gift of this prayer.